Well, good morning. Good to see you. It's been a little while since I was here, but <clears throat> it's good to see you all here. And I was wondering how many people we would get out today, given the fact we've got COVID and we've got floods. And I thought to myself, that's not an uncommon thing for us Queenslanders, is it? <laughs> it's something that we have all the time. So it's good to be here with you today. And I, my prayer is that as we open the word together, that uh, God will touch our hearts together, minister to us in his own particular way for our particular needs. And so what I'd like to do is just pray and ask God to be with us and minister to us and give us open hearts to what he wants to say to us today. So let's pray together, shall we? <clears throat> so Father God, we come before you. We thank you that you've been present with us as we've sung praises to your name, as we worship you. And Lord, as we come before you now, as we open up your precious word, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just unfold and unpack your word to us and minister to us. Lord, we, we come with all different kind of backgrounds here this morning. We, we come with different burdens and different issues in our lives. And so we come and we, as a group of people, and we say, Lord, speak to me in my need at this point of time. And Lord, help me to just know your presence in my life, not just today, but in the days that lie ahead and whatever you have for me. So we pray now that you just open your word to us in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. How to stay out of mothballs. <clears throat> How would you like to do that? Well, you know, you might be thinking, oh, Alan's going to talk to us, us oldies today. Well, I'm one of you oldies now, so I can't say anything derogatory anymore about old people. But <clears throat> in my many years as a pastor, one of the things that I've noticed is there are a lot of people who have uh, kind of voluntarily gone into mothballs because they've been ministering and they're now 30 years of age. Oh, it's about time somebody else took a role and let me uh, have a rest. It's, so it doesn't mean that numerically in our age that we need to be in our 70s or 80s or beyond, but there are people who are wanting to say, look, it's time for me to rest and relax. But, you know, as I've been reading through the scriptures and I've been reading about a particular character in the scripture that we're going to look at this morning, um, I've been thinking to myself, you know, does a Christian ever really stop ministering? Does a Christian ever say, well, it's now time for the younger generation to do their bit? Someone once said that numerous possibilities and few inevitabilities, that's life. Uh, the sky is the limit, but in that journey, there are, <clears throat> excuse me, a few inescapable realities. And growing older is one of them. And it happens fast. I tell you that. <clears throat> Someone who next Saturday turns 80, who shall remain nameless, um, knows a little bit about that. And, you know, as I've looked back in my life and I thought to myself, um, you know, you see people who think that their ministry life is kind of compartmentalised and then when they get to a certain stage in their life that they cease to minister the way that God would have them do it. You know, when you become an older person or your mature years, 
probably the better way of putting it. Sometimes we, we have that perspective, and I know that because now I'm going to be turning that wonderful age next Saturday, I'm increasingly in that place of being privileged to be able to observe uh, a, a lot about people and about retirement and about what we do and how we use our time. And with that in mind, in this past week, <clears throat> I recently read some humorous words that's been especially meaningful to me. First of all, when you get too old for pimples, they go straight to wrinkles. <laughs> you know where you're getting older when these following things happen. Uh, most of your dreams are reruns. Uh, the airline's attendant offers you coffee, tea or milk of magnesia. Um, your mind, and, and I'm sure a lot of you would, will identify with this, your main mind makes promises that your body just can't keep. Um, everything hurts and what doesn't hurt doesn't work. Uh, you sink your teeth into a, a lovely juicy steak and they remain there. You sit down in your wheelchair and you can't get started. And <clears throat> this last one is that you watch a pretty girl go by and your pacemaker makes the garage door open. <laughs> a lot of these things happen when you get older, but not necessarily that way. And those who are retired begin to get the message. They find themselves falling, I guess, almost uh, into a rut of inactivity. And like the gentleman who admitted, I get up in the morning, dust my off my wits, pick up the paper, read the obits. If my name is missing, I make myself a good breakfast and go back to bed. <laughs> and sadly, however, there are people who really do suffer. And whilst we've looked at some of those humorous things, for many... Growing older represents a grim reality, a lonely and frightening journey sometimes, and that seems overwhelming at times, and almost to some people, unbearable. For many older people, there is an attitude which comes from our humanity, and it doesn't come from the Lord, but it comes from our own thinking. And to them, to people who have this mental attitude, and as I said, it hasn't got to be physically older, but older between the ears sometimes. For these kind of people sometimes it can be awfully demoralising. There are a few attitudes that you see in people, and as here again, I want to underscore, not just because they're older in age, because they're older in years and they have that kind of outlook. And the attitude of uselessness, they, the feeling is, I'm over the hill, I'm getting in the way. And then there are people who deal with guilt, what an awful companion <clears throat> to have in, <clears throat> excuse me, on our journey with. And, you know, the unfortunate thing is that sometimes those kind of things happen. And then there's self-pity, that old nemesis, which we're all prone to at some time or another, aren't we? We get to a place where we feel like everything's going wrong. Woe is me syndrome. Nobody cares, so why should I? And then fear, probably the most tragic one of all. The feelings of fear are the most common amongst those folk who have this wrong attitude. Economic fear. 
fear of losing health or mind or a spouse or a friend or a loved one. And these are all real things that we have to deal with. But before we go any further and before I get you feeling so morbid, I want us to look at Psalm 90. Because what we just see in this psalm, this one psalm, Psalm 90, it tells us a lot, particularly for those of us who are mature years. And you need to remember that this psalm was written by Moses, who was in his 80s, plus even maybe older. So he starts off in the first two verses, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world everlasting from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. The first thing that Moses discovered and cited there was that God is eternal. He is ageless. And then in verses 3 to 10, which we just read this morning, we see that uh, he then begins to paint, if you will, word pictures of the brevity of life and of the pain of life in vivid colour. But then if you look at verse 9, he declares, we finish our years with a sigh, that very last phrase of verse 9, or as the NIV puts it, a moan. So it's a rather morbid, kind of depressing kind of set of word pictures, if you will. However, when we go into it a bit further and we ask ourselves, well, how do we make head and a tail of all this thing? Is there some guideline, some piece of advice, some principle to follow that will help us strengthen our grip on ageing? And the answer unequivocally is yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We notice that um, in verse 12, if you just look at that verse in Psalm 90, and he says this, Moses says, So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You know, it's interesting, as I read through that, I thought that it's interesting that we are to view our life not by years, but by days. And I thought about it a little bit further and really what I'm thinking here is the psalmist is saying we are to live those days in such a way that when they draw to a close, we have gained a heart of wisdom. We don't count it by years, we count it by days each day. And as we do that, we will gain that heart of wisdom. So with the Lord occupying first place in our lives, we accept and live each day enthusiastically for him. And I think the principle here in this psalm, Psalm 90, is simply this. And it's a principle that I'd really love for you to maybe even jot down and remember it. Regardless of your age or your background or your need, it's simply this. Since every day is a gift from God, I'll live each one enthusiastically for him. Let me just rephrase that. Since every day is a gift from God, and that's what each one of us have, since every day is a gift from God, I'll live each one enthusiastically for him. So if we're a believer in the Lord Jesus and we desire to follow him and to honour him, this is the way we start each day. I'll live it enthusiastically for him. John Piper made this valid comment. 
God has not given us 70 plus somethings a lifetime of experience with God and with the world to be shelved while we float around endlessly with our hobbies and games and leisures. One of the things that since I've retired from the full-time ministry that I enjoy immensely is mentoring young guys, young men. I just love it. Taking these young men and being able to sit down beside them, to teach them things and to help them to avoid the mistakes that I made. Helping them to grow and to mature and to develop. And every year I now take a class at, for eight weeks at the church and on teaching these young men to preach and surprising the number of these young people that come out of the woodwork who just are like sponges. They want to absorb everything that you can give them. Now, you may not be an ex-preacher or pastor or whatever, but you have gifts and you have talents that God has blessed you with uniquely. And all I can say to you is if you're an older person, make a point of living not only each day enthusiastically for God, but look out at ways and means that you can allow God to use you and your gifts. But further to that, rather than getting sidetracked with that at this point in time, this morning really what I want to do is to move from, if you will, the abstract theoretical principle and flesh out this matter in the life of one man. And this man is the man Caleb. You've all probably heard of Caleb. I love Caleb. He's one of my favourite characters in the whole Bible. And I want you just to, first of all, to notice a little bit about this man, this Old Testament character. I want us, first of all, if you would turn to Numbers, chapter 13, verses 25 through 33. And there we have the earlier years of Caleb. Now, just to kind of recap without reading everything here, if you don't know the story of Caleb, when Israel was to spy out the land of Canaan, there were 12 spies that were sent out, one from each tribe, and they were sent out to spy out the land. And as they spied out the land, they came back with a report. 10 out of the 12 said, we cannot go into that land and we cannot overcome that land because the people are giants. They're massive. They're from Anak. And they were a group of people who were giants, very big people, very big men. And so the story goes that the minority report that was given by Caleb and by Joshua was rejected. The other 10 spies, when they said, we're not able to do it. In fact, I think verse 33 epitomizes the kind of mindset that these other 10 spies had. If you look at it, let me read it to you. It says, and this is uh, them talking, this is Caleb talking. Then we saw the giants, the descenders of Anak, came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we, we, we were in their sight. This, the mindset that they had, we were like grasshoppers in their sight. In other words, they had this mindset that God couldn't help them, that they were just a nothing. They were just like grasshoppers. They had taken the divine component out of the, the job that they were given to do and they had just looked at it with human eyes. 
So before we get neck deep into Caleb's life, I want to mention two very important and obvious truths from his example. And they perfectly apply to all who are ageing and to everybody, I guess, for that matter. But for some of us who are still feeling the, old, the hot breath of that old dragon time on our neck, particularly. But there are two important things, and I want you to remember these. The first important thing is this. It is possible for life's greatest achievements to occur in old age. And I don't just say that as a preacher because, as I've said before, I think some of my post-retirement years have been as fruitful, if not more fruitful, in some ways than the years when I was pastoring full-time. And so I want to challenge you, those of us who are that mindset and not only that but of our age physically God can use you even in these days and the second example that we look from, from Caleb is that there is no retirement from, from the Christian life no retirement I remember the many years I was with Ambassadors for Christ International and we were at a conference in um, India uh, in um, Canada and our Indian director, his name was Augustine Salins, known right throughout the whole of India as the weeping prophet. And he was an evangelist, but he was a, a man who um, he started off as a young boy and, uh, and then went right through, and I'll never forget the privilege of being in his presence. You know, I'm sure you've come across people in your life when you've been in their presence and it's just like you're sitting there and that they are almost like Jesus. They just have this wonderful aura about them, this humility. And he told me the story. I asked him, I said, Augustine, tell me, what's the secret of your, of your success? Because right across India, they would build these big pandals, which is like a big roof with big bamboo poles, fit thousands of people in there, and he was... He was a man that God used mightily. And I said, and so as a young evangelist, I wanted to know, so tell me, what's the secret of your success? And he said, oh, I'm nothing. And I said, but tell me what? And he said, well, let me go back. When I was a young boy, he said, I was having difficulty at school. And he said, one day I brought home my, my school report and uh, I heard my father coming home. I ran up the stairs, sat up the stairs, so my mother and father couldn't see me. And he said, as I sat up there, I listened as they read my report. And the report wasn't as overwhelmingly good as it ought to have been. And he said, I'll never forget my father's words. He said, as I sat there, I heard my father say, it's true, he's good for nothing. He said, that broke my heart. It just broke my heart. And he said, with that, he said, I crept out into our backyard and he said, there was a rock there. He said, where I used to pray. And he said, as I went and knelt down beside that rock, he said, I remember the words that I prayed. Lord, it's true. I'm good for nothing. Am I any good to you? And that was the key to his success. And he continued to minister through into his 90s. I couldn't believe it. 
And so the, the mindset of there is no retirement from the Christian life, let's be challenged this morning about this very fact, what the scripture says. And before going any further, we need to understand those two facts. And we need to also realise that they apply to you and me, not just to Caleb. Caleb's situation was not unique. You, each one individually, have the opportunity and the honour and the privilege, privilege of serving God in the way that God has appointed to use you. And so we look here, Caleb says in this passage here in Numbers, he was reflecting on those days 45 years earlier when he and Joshua and the 10 other spies went out and they came back with that minority report. And when they said, there's no way in the world that we can actually take the land and overcome those people. And Caleb reports that neither he nor Joshua ever doubted. 45 years before, he stood alone, he trusted God and he publicly announced his opinion that they could overcome the giants of Canaan. No doubt in his mind whatsoever. And, you know, somebody here in this church this morning may be facing a giant of a problem. Be like Caleb and Joshua and say, Lord, I know that I can overcome this in your grace and in your strength. And so because the people chose not to believe God, what happened as a result of that? They wandered in the wilderness for how many years? 40 years. Do you know how long it would have taken if they had been obedient to God? 11 days. That's all it would have taken other than 40 years. 11 days. And so with we look at this man Caleb now with younger men and women around them. They continue to fight, to work and to finally conquer the land. And I want you just to turn out of the book of Joshua just for a moment. And to Joshua chapter 14 <clears throat> and 7 to 9. And I just love these verses. Uh, I, I just, I think you need to highlight them in your Bible just as I've done in mine. I just, uh, I think this is one of the most outstanding passages. This is what Joshua, what Caleb is saying. He says, I was 40 years old when Moses, a servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. <clears throat> Nevertheless, my brethren, who went up with me, made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly, wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord your God. Can you get in that, the sense that Caleb's getting excited? He's getting excited now. He's saying, you know, God, you're in control. I can sense what you're going to do here. And maybe it was his actual birthday as well. If you look at verse 10, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> if you look at verse 10, you'll see that at the last sentence it says, and here I am this day, 85 years old. Now it doesn't say it was his birthday, but it gives us a, a pretty good inference <clears throat> that it was. So they're the younger years, they're the early years. 
Now we're going to look at these middle years. And Joshua 14, let's just remain there. And I love these two verses I've just read, these middle years, and be reminding us of the fact that, I, that um, he, in the middle years, was someone who was 85 years of age. So what does that say of himself when he says in the middle years? How does he view the person inside his own skin? Is he struggling with fear and self-pity or uselessness or guilt? No, hardly. He sees himself as strong as ever, capable of being qualified to fight and to give counsel and to use his weapon or his mind. And so it's encouraging to read that this man's opinion of himself, although up in years he was anything but over the hill. And speaking of hills, let me read to you verse 12. Now therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. I'm just going to stop there in that first part of that verse. I just love that phrase. He says, at 85 years, he says, give me that mountain. Give me that mountain. What's your vision for what God can use you and how he can use you individually and corporately? Is there a mountain there that you say, God, I believe that you want me to claim that mountain and I'm going to do that with your help and with your strength. I just love when he says that. Lord, give me that mountain. They're the middle years. So for those of us who are octogenarians, the fact of the matter is this, that we're in our middle years. We've got a lot to go yet. We've got a long way to go yet. Now we're going to look finally at these latter years. As Caleb peered into the future, his eyes sparkled, I have no doubt, with enthusiasm, with optimism, with hope and faith, not with, let me alone, I'm tired, I deserve a comfortable, shady spot somewhere. You owe me some benefits for all the years I've done and worked and fought. I've done my part, now it's their turn. That's, that's not his response. But more, see that range of mountains. See those mountains in the distance. Give me them. I want to conquer them. Bring on those ugly giants. Let me deal with them. Let me at those fortified cities. Let me go in there and destroy them. Maybe we should, I guess, develop and start a new club called the Caleb Generation. How does that sound? And if you're going to be part of the Caleb Generation, you have to be 65 years plus. So you can't get into this club unless you're 65. Can you imagine if everybody, or you could get them to read the story of Caleb who were 65 years or over, and you told them the story of Caleb, I guess within an hour we'd have scores and scores of people say, hey, I want to be part of that group. I want to be part of that organisation, of that generation. I firmly believe that would happen. You see, age isn't a problem. I'll repeat that. Age isn't a problem. A traditional attitude is the problem. We suffer from what you might call an invisible media fallout. And what I mean by that simply is this, that we have been programmed 
to believe that at 65 we turn into an occupational pumpkin. That we can't do things anymore. That God can't use us anymore. And that's a lot of hogwash. Never before in the time can we, in our period of time, can we be more useful with the, with, in so many ways if we'll just make ourselves available to God. It's like, <clears throat> I guess some kind of a black magic has put a, a hex on our motivation, making us think we need to shuffle or stoop or snore our way through the rest of our lives. And that's just a lot of nonsense. The real giants are those kind of thoughts. That's the real giants. But who said the Caleb generation need to listen? Who says that you need to listen to that propaganda? I mean, while you and I have strength in our bodies and minds that can think, we can give counsel, we can give support, we can encourage. Even we might not be have some kind of disabilities of some kind physically, but we have mentally, we have the spiritual insights that we can pass on and we can minister to other people. Larry Elson, the uh, author of Outdoor Survival Skills, illustrates beautifully of the importance of a positive attitude and I guess the Caleb mentality. And I quote, this is the story of a man out in the desert. <clears throat> He's been there for days. His lips are swollen. His tongue is swollen. He's all beat up and bloody and some of his bones are almost peeking through. He has been just scraped and beaten by cactus and sand and sun. He's blistered. You get the picture. You see this, what this guy's like. And as he's crawling over this little hill, he comes across this little plant that's just sprung up. And he props himself up on one bloody elbow and looks down at this plant and he says, you know, if things keep going like this, I might get discouraged. Sometimes it doesn't take much for some of us to get discouraged. But it's something I think that my old Caleb would have said. It's something like the attitude that Caleb would have had. <clears throat> you recall that principle that we talked about in Psalm 90? <clears throat> Since every day is a gift from God, I'll live each one enthusiastically for him. And so because we can't alter the inevitable, because one day we'll be ushered into the presence of Jesus. And we don't know when that's going to take place. But what we can do is adjust to it and say, God, in my situation, with all my gifts and abilities and the time that I have, I offer it to you. So let me encourage you to consider the following. Instead of eating your heart out because of a few more aches and pains, have attached themselves to your body. We determine to celebrate life rather than to endure it. Aging isn't a choice. 
but it's a, the response to it is. In so many ways, we ourselves determine how we should grow old and how God can use us. What kind of epitaph will be over your life, whether you're a young person now or an older person now? Because believe me, you know when say time flies, it does. When you get older, and those of you who are older will identify with this, when we were young, someone said, oh, time flies. And we used to think, ah, oh, no, plenty of time. But you look back upon your life now, and time has flown. It's flown. So whilst we're here, let's be useful. Let's make the time to use it. There's just one more thing I'd like to talk about before closing. <clears throat> and I'd like you to really seriously think about staying out of mothballs. I really would. I'd really like you to be encouraged to say and to reflect and maybe even sit down with Pastor Josh sometime in, and after you've prayed about saying, God, how can you use me? How can I be of service to you? The late General Douglas MacArthur realised this on his 75th anniversary of his birthday. And he says this, and I quote what Douglas MacArthur said, Years may wrinkle the skin, but to give up interest wrinkles the soul. You are as young as your faith, as old as your doubt, as young as your self-confidence, as old as your fear, as young as your hope, as old as your despair. In the central place of every heart, there is a recording chamber. And so long as it receives messages of beauty and hope, cheer and courage, then you remain young. When the wires are all down and your heart is covered with the snows of pessimism and the ice of cynicism, then you are truly old. Recently, I was challenged, and when I say recently, this is probably what changed my life and turned the corner for me after I retired. I was reading through the Acts of the Apostles in Acts 20, verse 24 in the New Living Translation, and it hit me just like a bolt out of the blue. And these are the words of the Apostle Paul. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And that was a verse that challenged me like no other. And from that day on, I've determined that I'm going to either burn out, I'm not going to rust out. And that we need to be aware of the fact that God has given us so much wonderful abilities and experiences so that we can be used of God to touch many other lives. So, can I just say to you, view life as a challenge. View life as a challenge, not a threat. Follow the Lord fully, not half-heartedly. And one final thing before I pray, start today, not later. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Lord, we come humbly into your presence with all different backgrounds. You've blessed us with all different gifts and abilities. And I pray that you would today take maybe someone who came in here feeling a little defeated, a little down, 
a little depressed about life, regardless of their age, their circumstances, but that your word has lifted them up and realised that whilst there is life, there is the ability to communicate your love and your grace to someone else, to be a Caleb, to be someone who is ready and willing and looking to you to strengthen them, encourage them and use them. We thank you for this church, Lord, and I thank you for the people in it. And I pray that, Lord, you would use this church in a mighty way. I pray that you'd use these people in a way that will touch this community for Jesus and that people will see the reality of Christ in each life that's bowed before you now. And we give you thanks in the worthy and the precious name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you.